You're listening to Behind the Scene at NTSB. My name is Leah Walton. And I'm Stephanie Shaw. Thank you for joining us as we talk with the people and learn more about the work being done here at NTSB. Welcome to episode 22 of Behind the Scene at NTSB. Today, we're excited to have the chief of our safety advocacy division, Nicholas Worrell, and the chief of our media relations division, Chris O'Neill, here with us to talk about the NTSB Most Wanted list. Welcome, guys. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Morning. Great to be here. Morning. And Happy New Year to our listeners. Happy Valentine's Day. It's been a while since we've last spoken uh, on Behind the Scene at NTSB, and we are excited to be back. Before we dive into our conversation, um, we're going to give you guys an opportunity to share a little bit about your background and share about how you came to the board. So let's have Chris get started and just kind of share us a little bit about your background and uh, when you arrived at the board and what you do here, too, as well. Sure. So... uh, Took a lot of different career paths before I wound up here at the NTSB, but uh, I got my start in communications uh, as a unit public affairs representative in the U.S. Air Force. I did that for about three years. That's where I got my introduction to communication. Uh, Got out, and uh, when I enlisted in the Coast Guard, I uh, became an enlisted public affairs specialist. So I really learned the trade as opposed to uh, just doing it as a collateral duty. Uh, Remained in public affairs all throughout my Coast Guard career. Uh, a couple years as a collateral duty while I explored the marine safety field. Mm-hmm. In between my time in the Air Force and the Coast Guard, I was a civilian law enforcement officer. Um, so I have a, a kind of a varied background. I've got some law enforcement investigation skills. I was an investigator in the Coast Guard, mm-hmm. uh, but all the while really focused on coming back to communications. Had the opportunity to do that before I retired in the Coast Guard, uh, where I served as the chief of media relations, chief of strategic communications. Went on to Customs and Border Protection for a couple of years as their Deputy Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Public Affairs, and then I came to the NTSB in 2016. As the Chief of Media Relations, uh, I manage four folks who have the privilege of telling the NTSB story, mm-hmm. uh, both during uh, on-scene investigation phases, uh, talking about our initiatives like the Most Wanted list, and other investigative initiatives. Great. Thank you. And Nick? Well, thank you very much. Um, first, uh, before I start, I want to extend my gratitude and appreciation for the staff that put this together, especially you two, uh, Stephanie, Leah. Appreciate the work that you do, and James and, and Chris. I know we're here to talk about most wanted list today. We're going to dive into that. So extend my gratitude to everyone out there that has worked on this. My journey at the NTSB um, started, I would really let me take it all the way back um, before I even come. It's a 25-year journey, so it would take me an entire podcast and more to really <laughs> tell all of you about my journey at NTSB. Um, I was born and raised in Barbados. I migrated to this country in 1986, um, uh, spent some time in Brooklyn, New York, ventured off to California after that. Uh, following that, uh, joined the Marines for a couple of years. Um, following that, um, I, there was an opportunity to participate in the Christian College Coalition to come here to Washington, D.C. to do an internship on Capitol Hill. At that time, there were no internships uh, there on Capitol Hill. Uh, the gentleman that was running the program called up Steve Blackenstone and asked him if he won't mind taking on me, a lowly student, um, for, <laughs> for a semester to learn about political science. Um, my background essentially is in uh, political science, public policy, and then um, later on in, in my career, I spent some time in uh, communication. Um, and my journey here started out as an intern, as a non-paid paid intern. And uh, back then, um, there was something called a co-op program that we were engaged in, and that co-op program was was to, was to groom us and make us ready for the workforce. And following my uh, 
my last year at my college, the master's college, the NTSB, my internship, the NTSB offered me a position. Um, and I decided to take it rather than go back and graduate from California. I asked them to send me my degree instead of uh, been going back to walk across. <laughs> Didn't want to miss an opportunity. Yeah. Um, so that's where it all started for me. Um, and it started there. And then um, I've worked my way throughout the entire agency and many different facets of the organizations. Again, uh, like I say, I've seen many things throughout the years here at NTSB. So it has been a wonderful journey. It has been, it's a one, NTSB is a wonderful place to work for. And I often say that NTSB taught me much of what I know. I grow, I grew up here. Um, I, I've learned a lot from all the people that come in and out of NTSB. So it's been 25 years and I, I hope to see many more years with the agency. And that's just the a, a short thumbnail of, of Nicholas Worrell at NTSB. And you and Stephanie share that, um, share that background a little bit with the uh, starting out here at NTSB as interns and have grown throughout the agency. So you guys have known each other for a long time. Yeah. We have 20, 20 years now. Yeah, 20, 20 odd years. Yep. Yeah. We, we, we have grown up in, in this agency together. And, I would uh, say that's a good way to describe it. We often do describe it as kind of growing up. I know I've joked before. I think my skill set was that I could use a computer. And <laughs> when I first came for my internship, I sat next to the desk of one of the administrative assistants in our Office of Highway Safety. And so just took everything in and yeah. had opportunities around here yeah. that have, have made it an amazing journey. So. Yeah. When we started, I think 5.0, that word 5.0 was just beginning. You uh -huh. familiar with that one, Chris? <laughs> you know, let's, let's not go back in the Wayback Machine too far. You know, when I, when I got started in uh, public affairs, we were still doing uh, dummy sheets. Wow. And running them through wax machines, and uh, there was this thing called film and dark rooms, and yeah, I, yeah. I remember the days of word processors and ten-inch floppy disks. And well, I know you remember the wire then, that where they used to run out all of the information on the news, and you go check it. And yeah, I, I've not had the fortune of having one of those in my office, but I am, uh, I am familiar. Great. So. The most wanted list, the NTSB most wanted list of transportation safety improvements. The 2019-2020 list was just released on February 4th, and we're going to talk about that today. So, Nick, can you please explain to us what the most wanted list is? Yes, I, I would love to do that. Um, and I, I want to really set this up for the most wanted list. At NTSB, we're considered an investigative agency. We investigate accidents, we find a probable cause, and we issue recommendations to prevent them from happening again. And I oftentimes show this in a circle. We have investigations, we find a probable cause, and we issue recommendations. But if we end there, that means that our work is not done. Mm -hmm. Our work basically sits on a shelf. And that's where the advocacy piece come in, mm -hmm. all right? And that completes that entire circle. So we investigate, we recommend, and we get out and we do advocacy work. And I'm going to read, actually, our statement so I can be consistent with our message, some of our material out there so our messaging can be safe. It states that the most wanted list is the NTSB premier advocacy tool right, to identify the top safety improvements that can be made across all modes of transportation to prevent accident, minimize injuries, and save lives in the future. We consider it, these issues ripe for action now. And if addressed, they would make a significant impact. We consider this most wanted list really a roadmap from lessons learned to lives saved. And the 2019-20 most wanted list promote several specific recommendations that we will, some of which we will discuss today, that can and should be implemented in the next two years. It also featured broad longstanding safety issues that still threaten the traveling public. And by longstanding issues, 
What do you What do you mean by that? And Chris and and Nick both can um, can answer this question. Uh, when you say long long standing issues, well, dive long into those a little long bit. Long standing issues can be issues that's been on the most wanted list since its um, inception, since its beginning. Um, it, and we can go begin to look at issues such as uh, positive train control, uh, impairment, uh, distraction in some way, shape, or form. Uh, there are several issues um, beginning in 1990 that has been on this list for quite some time, and we're still advocating for them today. And all we oftentimes ask the question, why are you still advocating for these issues? Mm -hmm. Well, and we answer back or respond back, yes, we, we answer them well. Fatality numbers are still up. Uh, we are still losing 40,000 lives in all modes of um, transportation combined. I don't know if any one of you want to add to that, Chris. Well, you know, I had a media inquiry uh, the other day that I was responding to, and the question was uh, about commercial vehicle safety and mm -hmm. uh, the call for um, action on obstructive sleep apnea. And a journalist said, well, this must be one of the longest-running issues on a most wanted list. I know you've gone back at least a decade on this. Like, <laughs> well, I, I wish that a decade was the record holder, but no, we have some that go back almost as long as uh, the agency's been in existence, but mm -hmm. certainly as long as uh, the most wanted list has been in existence. And... Uh, it's funny, too, when you try to pinpoint a specific issue, if you look at how the list was constructed from 1990 to today, mm -hmm. um, you can trace different issues back to they, they maybe started out in commercial vehicle safety, which has gotten more and more specific over the years as to what the actual ask is. But there are some things that go, as you said, all the way back to 1990. So it's interesting to go back through the history right. and see what we're advocating for. But that's also a little depressing. That we're still here in 2019, 2020 list advocating for things that should have been done long ago. Yeah. And it's interesting that you both, that Nick, you used positive train control and Chris, that you used commercial motor vehicles because both of those issues were on, on the most wanted list at the time. Uh, for co commercial truck safety was on there, but also then separately was the issues of, of fatigue, specifically hours of service, right. things like occupant protection, school bus safety, for example, yeah. was one of the things that yeah. was on the first list. Right. Um, and, and unfortunately, many of those are still things that we're, that we're, we're working on. I would say that we've see, certainly seen improvements in those areas, but, um, yeah. but, but still a long way to go. Yeah, and, and for us, I mean, you, you know, when, when we talk about the most wanted list, it, it's more than a list to us. It's a tool and a mechanism and a tactic by which we can utilize to help drive and help advocate and help promote safety in all modes of transportation. It's just one of those methods. It's just one of those methods that we use to help us really get to our recommendation, move the needle on a lot of these issues. And just talking about the history of it, <clears throat> it's been mentioned that it started in 1990, um, but why did it get started? Is that is it just because we needed some sort of tool like you were just mentioning? Or was there a call to action from one of our board members? I'm just curious about, you know, and that might be too yeah. way back to... Yeah, no, no, I appreciate that. Uh, and, and I'm sure Stephanie can chime in. I, I'm going to give credence to people such as Barry Sweetler, who some of you probably don't know, God bless him, Kevin Quinlan, um, people like Bill Gossett, I mentioned his name, and Elaine Weinstein. And these are people that uh, we, we basically, this list, uh, the, the pillars of this list are upon. Um, these are folks that came into this agency doing the same work that we are doing. Mm -hmm. And they found a need, they found a mechanism to say, okay, look, we need to create something that we can advocate for these recommendations. Mm -hmm. If not, we are just, again, 
issuing the recommendations and the recommendations are there. So the, these individuals really will found something innovative to say, look, let's create something. And this was the something mm -hmm. to help push Amplify, for these recommendations sure. that we issued to industry and all, um, across the over 1,200 recommendations that we issue continually. So this was just a mechanism by which that they used to help, you know, prod us along for this. It was at the time it was Chairman NTSB Chairman Colstead yes. who actually presented the idea um, to staff and using the FBI's most wanted list right. as as the model of kind of what what he thought they could um, they right. could develop. So it was a kind of a something that a, the chairman asked for, but presented to staff to say how how can we do this? How could we develop a tool like this that could really um, affect transportation uh, safety? Right. Yeah, and we have this model now, and and and. We might like, for example, mm -hmm. the, the, the crew of workers now, you, the safety advocates and the SRC team might find another method, another tactic. It might not be the most wanted list. You know, other uh, you have other safety boards out there like um, uh, TSP Canada, who has the watch list and you have the roadmaps and you have different components around the country. Different folks are doing different things to really use it as a channel, as a catalyst to really promote transportation safety or move the needle on a lot of these uh, issues that we see out there that are taking lives every day. Back uh, when the list was early uh, in the early years of the list, um, the issues on the list looked a lot different than how they do today. Um, I believe that when they first started, their actual like long recommendations or the, you know, the full title right. of the recommendation versus as we see today um, and alcohol or other drug impairment, that in itself is not a recommendation, right. but there are a lot of recommendations surrounding it. Can you talk about how the list has kind of changed and shifted over the years? Yeah, sure. I, and, you know, no, no knock to anyone back then in terms of how no. that was constructed. Um, maybe that was the methodology by which work back then they had to utilize that. You know, um, if we look at the genre of music back in the mm -hmm. 1990s, the genre of music is quite different to the genre of music today. And the folks of today may be saying, OK, what were you guys listening to back then? But it worked back then. The best but, music ever was in the 90s. In, yeah. Indeed, right? <laughs> well, let's back up. You know, classic rock 70s is still as relevant today as it ever was. That's true. That's yeah. true. <laughs> so uh, so what, what the, the team back then developed work back then, mm -hmm. all right? But over time, it, it has shifted. And, you know, the only thing constant, as you know, they say is change. Mm -hmm. So the, you have to find as, as, as throughout since 1990, the list has evolved in some way, shape or form. Um, this list really was a federal and a state list. When this list started, you had about over, approximately over, you might have 15 items on the list, but mm -hmm. it was addressed to a Sunshine Act where it was deliberated in a boardroom where staff would spend uh, am, a, a great deal amount of time pulling together presentations to talk about the issues on the most wanted list and present it to the board members. And then the board members approved that back then. Mm -hmm. It was much like our w most people might be familiar with an NTSB board meeting um, at the end of an accident or crash investigation. So the, the most wanted list was presented to the board in a very similar fashion where there was the open discussion. Mm -hmm. You could you could hear the back and forth with yeah. staff and, and board members. Um, and then they voted on a final report at the end. Right. Mm -hmm. And at the, right. They deliberated on it. Um, and I recall um, when they were having a discussion sometime back 
in the eons, I'm showing my age now, um, they were saying, wow, this, this thing takes up a lot of staff time. It takes up a lot of energy, which it still does to this mm -hmm. point. So um, I, I do believe they put together a focus group then to, to kind of decide what do we need to do with the list? Do, what do we need to change? What is working? What's not working? Um, and then that's where a shift came in. I can't remember exactly what, what, what year was that, Stephanie? It was around 2010 10, around is really there. when we saw a real kind of significant redesign. But there were, um, before that, there was one combined list. And then um, because the, the actions needed for what we refer to as kind of state um, recommendations or state issues tend to be highway safety. A lot of them were legislative yeah. um, mm -hmm. actions that were needed. It was kind of advocated or kind of separated, if you will, to a federal list that required a lot of regulatory action. And then what was called the state the list, state which age. focused on things like um, recreational boating safety, alcohol impairment, seatbelt use, and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Right. So, youth highway safety. So over the years, it's kind of evolved as a communication tool um, to kind of meet the needs of, of what was happening with with the recommendations and, and what we were putting right. on the most wanted list. But in 2010, around 2010 timeframe is when there was the focus group to say, is this to, is this, you know, effective at what we're trying to achieve as far as really improving right. transportation safety? Um, and then it was actually after that redesign, it was then made back to be one one list. One so list. it was mm -hmm. this one most wanted list, not a state most wanted most wanted list or federal most wanted list. It was combined. These are the things that we really think are. Yeah are the most impactful. Yeah, when we got away then from the Sunshine mm -hmm. meeting, which is the board meeting, and we kicked it off with a press conference. And since then, we have been kicking it off um, with a press event. Um, we have kicked it off with TRB at TRB. We have kicked it off here at the boardroom. And since Chris came, we have kicked it off at, at the press club. Um, so we are always finding ways that we can utilize to uh, make it a better product, a better tool, a better tactic, as we say to help us to move the needle on some of these issues. Um, and I'm sure um, as we go along, um, we, we're going to look at, at ways that we can improve it, we can change it um, to, to make it better to, to help move the needle on our recommendations. Um, we recently made a, made another change. We were doing a one-year cycle, and I know you'll come to that. Um, mm -hmm. Seeing we're talking about the history, I'll address it now. Um, we moved from a, a one-year cycle to a, to a two-year cycle. Uh, we found that that would have been more beneficial because staff was putting in so much time developing the list that we only spent approximately six months advocating for what was on the list. Mm -hmm. And we found it more beneficial to move to that two-year cycle, which gives us more time to see progress and measure the uh, the success or that we are gaining on the particular recommendations that we are focused on. And some of you will get into the dialogue later about the, we, we, we tweaked it a little bit and we say, okay, let's focus more on what we can have an impact in two years. And I don't want to get ahead of myself. No, so, no I think you know, it's, it's, it's such a stage up really to, yeah. you know, I think it's exciting to talk about the growth of the product, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've been at the NTSB for, for three years now, which is really like a cup of coffee in term, in NTSB <laughs> terms, right? Uh, everybody here has such longevity. It's really neat uh, to come in. And what's neat about that is coming in with a different perspective. To, to be able to kind of be that outsider mm -hmm. and say, you know, ask the question, why do we do it this way and, and what's working and what's not working? And it's been exciting to be a part of uh, the most wanted list to help uh, apply, I think, from a communications perspective, at least, um, a, a more data-driven approach to what are we talking about? How are we talking about it? To whom are we talking? Mm -hmm. And what do we want to see happen 
when we're done talking. And I think that's the really exciting thing uh, that I think we've been able to do together is to really uh, get that call to action, get specific about what we want. We've, I think we've, we've reflected the board's interest in, in maintaining some broad issue areas mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that aren't tied to one specific recommendation, yet we've been able to focus in on some very specific recommendations that we want to see done in two years because they can and should be done. And, uh, and I think that's kind of a bold leap, even in just these three years, if you look at the list from 16, and even in a way we talked about it, right? Right. The, the very approach, the, the panel discussions to kick off the event, um, the, the focus on uh, developing good key messaging and, and making sure that that's going to resonate with our audiences. Uh, it's been really exciting to be part of, of this journey. And uh, I'm, ex- I'm eager to see the results of our, our efforts at the end of 2020. Yeah, and, yeah, and we have to commend up. you, you know, you, Nick, and you, Chris, for, for your leadership. You both are, are kind of the significant part of leadership from, from, from working in the, leading your media relations team and then Nick le- leading Leah and Amy and I in, in the safety advocacy division for just how we have evolved and really changed our communication style and, mm-hmm. and making sure that, that, it's, that we're communicating what we want effectively, especially since you both became kind of part of the same team back in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's and it's often, you know, asked the question is, you know, so why don't you tackle all the recommendations? Why don't you focus on everything? Uh, why don't you give everything all the love? And, and you know, um, I am a big believer in, in, in success by small manageable steps. Uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, you know, a build. We just looked at a, a building outside of our building that we watched from the inception building all the way up the new spy museum. And that wasn't built in one day. It took approximately two years. So we feel that, you know, it, 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 for us to get the most success that we want in a two year span, which goes back to the whole smart, go, smart, you know, uh, specific, measurable, et cetera. Uh, this gives us a better chance if we nibble, if we bite at it one bite at a time, we'll be able to get. Yes, we, we won't ignore the entire list of recommendations. Mm-hmm. We are still showing all of them love. Um, for example, if an issue comes off the most wanted list, um, for example, you talked about trucking. We talk about GA safety. I can go down the list, motorcycle safety. All of it. it's not. It's not a. It's not merely that we are ignoring the other issues, or we are ignoring the other children on the <laughs> list that that's not on the list. We also, as Chris would say, showing them love, but. You know, it's more behind the scenes that we continue to advocate for these issues. But we feel that with these, we can have the greatest impact in two years. And I love it. And I would say for the recommendations, you know, that we that we do issue every day here, people are working on the recommendations. It's, you know, the most wanted list is just a very small snapshot of the what, 13 yeah, between 1,200 and 1,300 yeah, yeah. open safety wrecks in any given year. Mm-hmm. And, and the agency's issued, what, 14,500 yes, plus since yes. its inception. Um, it really wasn't until we started doing the research for this where I really got a <laughs> grasp of how much the safety wrecks people are doing. So, you know, the amount of correspondence and back and forth between rec recipients and our our division of safety recommendations, that volume of work is kind of staggering. It's an ongoing every day, um, you know, that, that, that that's what they're working on. Mm -hmm. And, and, and to get to a point where we have, um, whittled it down, if you will, to, to 267 recommendations associated with 10 items, but here's a focused 46 that we want to see done in two years. Um, it's no small effort and it's, it's through a, a lot of collaboration 
Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of wicked smart people in the room <laughs> trying to figure out what the best course of action is. It's really been fascinating to be part of it. What is the <clears throat> excuse me? What is the benefit, the media benefit of having a most wanted list for your team? Well, you know, I don't think it's I think the way to think of it is is, you know, media is another channel by which to reach people, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so at the midpoint of the last list, we looked at our earned media numbers and we, we, we in the media division saw a decline. Mm-hmm. And we kind of started doing a little asking around and a little critical thought about what was happening. And, and a lot of people said, you know, you're talking about a lot of really broad things and you've applied it. Each of your 10 issues applies to every mode of transportation. Mm-hmm. Just tell me what you want. <laughs> you know, tell me what it is you want to see happen. And we all kind of cocked our heads sideways. Well, that makes good sense. And and so when we, we came about uh, looking at the 2019-2020 the list, however the modal offices and the board decided which of these things really needed to raise to the level of the most wanted list, mm-hmm. uh, from a media perspective, media relations perspective, we wanted to make sure that there was a really co- clear call to action built into that most wanted list to satisfy that. What does the NTSB want to see done? And um, I think it's kind of exciting. I think when we had the the launch event the other day and you start looking at the media coverage from it, people were like, wow, the NTSB just said it wants this <laughs> stuff done in two years. And it was kind of new, at least recent. <laughs> Called it the 46, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the focused 46. And, 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 and people went, what's that? And... Uh, so the benefit, though, is, is no more so or no less than any of the other communication channels that, that we employ here. And, and what's been exciting about, at least since I've been here, is the the closer integration, coordination, and synchronization of our communication efforts. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first got here, uh, I kind of referred to all the good work that was going on in, in our office as, as uh, silos of excellence. <laughs> Right, everybody was really doing great work, but it wasn't particularly well connected or integrated or coordinated. And I think in in these three years together, we've we've gotten really good yeah. at looking at what each other is doing and how does it impact each other's work and how can we build the synergy that exists mm-hmm. within our office. And now we have a variety of platforms that we're leveraging, including this podcast. Uh, to get our message out. We're looking at different ways to reach audiences and we're doing that in a coordinated manner all towards the very specific goal of getting these 46 yeah. six recommendations done in two years. And Chris, yeah. some of the audience may not know, we talked about the advo- the list, the most wanted list as another tool mechanism. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about some of the other tools that we're using here at NTSB and SRC you know, to really... Well, you know, the most wanted list, if you think about it in terms of what is it, right? It is an advocacy tool. It guides kind of all of the the, the major advocacy efforts for the NTSB in the course of a year. And then what are the things that you, what are the tactics that you're going to employ to support it, right? So mm-hmm. we have some earned media, we have social media, you do. You coordinate a number of outreach activities. We have our modal experts, our subject matter experts, either doing interviews, engaging in outreach efforts, educational efforts. Our board members are going out and advocating for the issue areas in their portfolios. Mm-hmm. There, there are just a, a number of tools at our disposal. And the other part is, is, is looking at opportunities. Where mm-hmm. did the opportunities arise in the information environment that we could leverage or exploit to carry our message and engage people. 
Uh, you know, a, a great example from last year was, and I'll do it again, it's, it's gratuitous, but the Kiki <laughs> Challenge, yep. right? That's what I was yeah. that one, my feelings challenge. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you know, it just popped out and there it is. And I'm like, well, wait a second. You know, this this seems like I shouldn't have to say this, that it's <laughs> bad to jump out of the moving car and dance. Right. And for yourself. It needs to be said. Right. So let's do that. And, and what is that? Well, it's another form of distracted driving and that Occupy happens to be protection. on our most wanted list. Yeah. yeah. I mean, take your pick. And so- as we move through the 2019-2020 the list, I think one of the challenges for us in media is, is looking at the launches that we go on, the investigations that happen, uh, the safety reports that are going to come out in the next two years, mm-hmm. all, of the, all of the products that the NTSB will produce or all of the activities that it does, where there's a logical tie to the most wanted list, how can we help carry that message mm-hmm. and engage people? And I think it is a cool opportunity for uh, safety advocacy and media relations to work together like that because while you all are working on your, you know, looking at what's coming up in the news, you know, we might hear of something, you know, out in the field. We might see something, you know, through our Twitter channel, et cetera. And then we get together and we collaborate in terms of like, how can we message this? How can we amplify our recommendations as a result of something that is completely unrelated to us? And then it just works in an op- in a way that we can just promote our information even further. Absolutely. I think that um, one of the, the most important things I think about the most wanted list, which I don't really think that we've touched on so much yet, is that it's based on the fact that we looked at we look at the transportation fatality numbers. Mm-hmm. So when you think of the most wanted list, or from my ab- advocacy perspective. <clears throat> you know, we're talking about, like Chris said, almost 40,000 people. So this list truly re- represents lives lost, millions of injuries, um, and and that that's, you know, kind of a, certainly a huge part of why it is that we issue, issue the most wanted list and why it, it is so important that as we're all working together that we're reaching the right audiences and that mm-hmm. we're engaged with you know, the right stakeholders that can really help us um, implement the recommendations ultimately, but really address address the issues. One of the things that we were talking about is the fact that we have kind of these issue areas on the most wanted list now where, you know, early on it might have been a specific recommendation. We've kind of talked about them as as some broader issues in some cases, um, but I think it's it's because while we were talking about we have 267 recommendations that ultimately could have some kind of an impact on these issues, um, that by talking about some of them a little more broadly, it does allow for different um, solutions to the problems. We've identified, mm-hmm. you know, we, we talk about this kind of focused 46 recommendations. So within our list of 267 recommendations that ultimately any of those could have an impact on, on something that's on the most wanted list, we have these 46 that we think really, you know, if, if addressed right now could have, or in the next two years, could be addressed in the next two years and have a really significant impact. Um, I think that's one important thing is that we realize that there's many solutions to a lot mm-hmm. of these problems. And there's a lot of great people outside of the NTSB that are that are working on them as well and want to make sure that we mm-hmm. we add that, you know, we can't do this alone and we certainly don't plan to do it alone. That mm-hmm. um, part of our, our wanting to communicate a 
about it to, in so many different ways is to make sure that, that there are others who want to kind of join our, our fight with, for, for addressing these yeah. issues. I think the, the chairman really teed that up well in his remarks at the, the launch event at the press club. You know, I think he closed his remarks by talking about how the NTSB, we make the recommendations. We, we investigate the accident. We determine why it happened how it happened. We figure out how to prevent it from happening again. We make that recommendation, Mm -hmm. but we don't have the authority to make anybody implement that regulation and so, or that recommendation. So we, we work with regulators, we work with the industry, we work with our advocacy partners to spread that message, to move people, to persuade people, to motivate them to action, to implement those recommendations. Because when they're implemented is when we start saving lives. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I, I call it the, the the from the the me to the we factor, um, and, and let me explain that a little bit the, from the me, which is NTSB, to we, which is you out there in the audience. Um, it starts out being an NTSB list, mm-hmm. but we want it to end up being your list. We want it to be end up being a part of your life because we, as a group, see advocacy, all advocacy, really as local distraction, um, impairment, fatigue issues like that that affects our daily life. These are issues that um, we may not be able to get to a state like Portland, Oregon, or one of the states out there. But someone listening to this to this uh, podcast might say, okay, we can get on the bandwagon and begin to fight for uh, youth highway safety as it relates to distraction or one of the issues that are important. You know, you can save a life too. Whatever you are doing, you can you can save a life. You can get on board because at the end of the day, we're still losing thirty seven over thirty seven thousand lives on our highway, and then we're still losing in aviation and other modes of transportation. All those although those numbers may be lower. And I want to add, in, in, in the historical discussion, I didn't add how long it takes us to develop this list. It's uh, just a few weeks, yeah. isn't it? No, no, not at all. <laughs> well, it was just I've right to press part of my life now. I just Wait thought of it. I, I woke up and I said, I've got the list now. Right. And to, to, re, to let the audience, because this is behind the scenes, so let me take you behind the scenes <laughs> and sure how long this journey took. Yeah, they, we don't have uh, that kind of 20, time. November of 2017, we decide to have our first meeting to gain some input on this list. That first meeting with, with folks from DOT, where we wanted to gather input on what they think should be on this list. Following that, we then begin to develop a timeline, a strategy, some strategy on how will we approach this for the next year. How will we release this list on time in 2018? Mm-hmm. And the whole process started then with some great facilitation meetings from Leah Walton with all of our modal. As you know, our list is dynamic. It's a modal list. It's just not one mode. And we began facilitation meetings with uh, all of our modal directors that we can gather input and information from them so that we can decide what are the best and most favorable issues to focus on in the next two years. Following those meetings, we put together documentation to outline what we have. Then we bring in the board members. Then we bring in other staff members to offer their input. Then we go to a voting process um, to try to figure out, okay, we have 15, but we need to narrow to a more focused set of items. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had discussion on uh, from Chris on whether there should be items or issues, a lot of dialogue <laughs> going back and forth on how this thing should look. So throughout a whole year, and I can go into more, a whole year, there was back and forth, there was approvals from board members, disapprovals from board members on coming up with this list. So I'm saying that to say there's a lot of stewing that went on with this list, Mm -hmm. a lot of work. It didn't just start where we just say, okay, let's pop up a list and just give it to the general public. 
a tremendous amount of work has gone into this list for you, the general public, at the end of the day to help us to save lives and reduce accidents, injuries, crashes, and all modes of transportation. So the staff and the people here at NTSB did a tremendous amount of work to come up with this list. And as we were doing that, we had media relations with us the entire time. Um, as you know, every meeting, I think there was at least one media relations representative, and that was so helpful in developing the messages of each each item on the list. And Chris, I just want to um, pivot over to you because when we're talking about the list, we are talking to regulators, we are talking to um, legislators, legislators, other advocacy groups. And then a family in, um, I can't remember which, which <laughs> suburb you had chosen, but I, I'd like you to share a little bit about the, uh, the family that you so, <laughs> that so you lovingly often have refer us focus to. on when we're thinking of trying to reach the public. Because, <laughs> and, and I think it's just great because we, as transportation specialists um, and, and advocates and communicators, we know what we're trying to get across, but how it may um, you know, resonate with people who don't understand transportation or don't understand the nuances involved in transportation has to be communicated very specifically. And so I want you to talk a little bit about how we have tailored our messages and how we went about that to make sure that everyone who is listening or hears the information about the most wanted list is going to absorb it and understand it. Yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks for that. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a crock pot, slow cooker kind of process. It, 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 one of the, the things I've prided myself on throughout my, my 30 years of being a government communicator is, is the role of translator. Uh-huh. Right. So you work with a variety of subject matter experts, whether they be shipbuilders, boat drivers, aviators. And now I come into the NTSB and we have our research and, and engineering folks. Mm-hmm. We have uh, our medical folks. We have our investigators in each of the modes, highly talented, highly specialized and very specific in the words they choose. Right. And, and when they're talking amongst each other, those words make perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Sometimes um, that language might be a little lofty for people like me who, <laughs> or myself. who don't have the PhD <laughs> or the engineering background, right? And so if I'm having trouble digesting it mm-hmm. and I would have a hard time explaining it to my next door neighbor mm-hmm. or maybe have a hard time explaining it to someone in junior high, I might need to find some other words that are accurate or perhaps not as precise. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think, the big challenge here at NTSB. Um, wicked, wicked smart people doing really smart things. It's our job to uh, find a way to package that, to make it completely understandable to the people who we really want to speak to. Mm-hmm. So when we were developing the, the language to talk about this list, and you know, we went through a, a series of facilitated meetings and said, all right, let's start with the end state in mind, mm-hmm. right? What do we want to see happen when we're done talking? When we're done communicating, whether it be through the media, through social media, right, what do we want to see happen? So we defined that. And then we said, all right, so who are we really talking to? People. Yes, I know. People. <laughs> There's lots of people. Yeah. Which people are we talking to? So we narrowed it down and we got some general audiences, right? We said, well, we know we're talking to other advocate, advocacy groups. Mm-hmm. We're talking to stakeholders. We're talking to people in the industry. We're talking to regulators. We also want to talk to the public a little bit because wouldn't it be nice to have that kind of support for and understanding of the NTSB mission, our roles, and what we're asking for in the most wanted list. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I'm trying to get us in the mindset of our audience 
and getting past the regulators and the stakeholders and the people that we kind of deal with on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. What I think we don't always do with on a regular basis are the people beyond there. And I call them mom, pop kettle, <laughs> right? Pulling back to the American Gothic. <laughs> and and, and, and uh, I, I like to pull a little thing from my, my youth from MASH in uh, Ottumwa, Iowa, the home of Radar O'Reilly. <laughs> so if we can speak to mom, pa, kettle in Ottumwa, Iowa, and they mm-hmm. understand why this thing is important, why is this recommendation important, how does it relate to them, right. how is their world manifestly safer mm-hmm. when this is implemented? If we are of their mindset and communicating on a channel that they're receiving – and in words that relate to them and resonate with them, now we're communicating effectively. So uh, a lot of our sessions were working with the people who wrote the recommendations or who wrote the accident reports, Mm -hmm. wrote the findings, and trying to walk back a little bit from the highly scientific language and the very precise language to something that's equally accurate but more digestible. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, there was a lot of, all right, how do we talk to a mom and pop kettle in Ottumwa, Iowa, or take any other small town in the U.S.? Uh, but that's really the I, part of the mindset behind those discussions were, you know, how do we take these and make them relatable to each of the audiences we're trying to engage? And not yeah. only relatable, but also kind of get them to buy in to what it is that we are wanting to see done. Because yeah. everyone yeah. has an opportunity to advocate on behalf of our recommendations, whether they are walking through the halls of a state house or if they are walking down the street. If, you know, yeah. if they have a friend who, you know, is at their house and has had a few drinks, you know, they have an opportunity to say, hey, I'm not going to let you drive home. I'm going to call you a cab. Or if, you know, they're riding in a vehicle and the driver picks up their cell phone, they can say, hey, no, let me do the texting for you. Um, you focus on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think you can't overlook like the personal responsibility part of this. You know, I think we were we were kind of uh, jesting in, in one of our sessions about, you know, why haven't we issued a recommendation to, you know, 300,000, 300 million plus people that mm-hmm. say, don't do this, right? Right. Can't do that. Right. So, but there has to be that personal call to action for some of these things. You you were personally responsible for your actions while the operator of a motor vehicle. Um, you know, uh, I'm a motorcycle enthusiast. I, mm-hmm. I have a particular disdain for people who are distracted when they're driving because mm-hmm. they tend to wander into my lane. I don't have 2,000 pounds of steel surrounding me when I'm on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Um, people have personal responsibility, and I have a personal responsibility as a motorcyclist to operate safely mm-hmm. and, and to be defensive. But, uh, yeah, so all of our messages have to resonate across multiple audiences, and we have different messages geared towards those effects. But you're right, the, at the end of the day, it's more than just about the awareness. And that, again, it goes to what do you want to see done when you're done talking about the most wanted list? Mm-hmm. We want to see these recommendations implemented. They can and should be done. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, too, when you – we haven't exactly said – what. so this year, 2019, 2020, we have two – we have 10, not two. We have 10 <laughs> items on the most wanted list. And um, let's see, is it six of them? Five of them are – directly related to human behavior and, and, mm-hmm. and things that we as humans, you know, certainly have our own control over doing them or not or not doing them. And I think that, you know, we talk about our recommendations and obviously some of them take, as we said, you know, s- state legislators to enact legislation or, you know, federal regulators to pass a mandate or a requirement for something. But there are quite a few that, that we all have the ability to, whether it be within our own families or, you know, communities, whatever, we have an opportunity to 
um, make an impact and address some of these things outside of having to be someone that can write a piece of legislation to make them happen. So things like eliminating distractions, we've talked about that, um, ending alcohol and other drug impairment, mm -hmm. um, occupant protection, simply making sure that everyone is buckled up. If you're in a vehicle, no matter what, you know, if it's in the air or on the road, if there's a seatbelt, you should be wearing it. Um, fatigue. What am I missing? Occupant protection. We did occupant protection. Positive train control. Speeding. speeding. How did I forget speeding? speeding. It's speed week. Because there's no social stigma associated <laughs> with it. Very true. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So I think that, you know, as as we were kind of joking about, you know, Chris's mom, Paul Kettle references, but but really, I mean, we all do when we, we think about, you know, 39,000 transportation fatalities 95% of them occur on the roadways. We know that alcohol impairment, distraction, speed, and not wearing seatbelts mm -hmm. have the most significant impact on, on those fatality numbers. Um, but we all have an opportunity to, to really address those problems. We've had a great conversation today, and I really want to thank uh, Nicholas and Chris for joining us today. But before we wrap up, I want to offer an opportunity for them to share any final thoughts around the most wanted list um, or other transportation safety improvements. I would end with a sort of a question, and the question will be, what are you going to do to save a life? What are you going to do to help move the needle on a lot of these issues that we have placed on our most wanted list? Our goal for you at the end of the day is to engage you, activate, convert, and harness the ability that you have. At the end of the day, um, as Chris said earlier, we can issue recommendations. We're only four, um, slightly over 400 employees here at NTSB, and we can do but so much. But at the end of the day, without you, the general public, without you, the industry folks, without you, the driver, the child, the youth advocate that's speaking out, without those folks out there to help us really in, within the states, within the industry, or wherever we issue these recommendations, we really can't get much done on them. So we're relying on the general public. We're relying on the industry folks to really help us in the next two years to um, move the needle on our Focus 46 and beyond our Focus 46 recommendations. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a lot of issues out there. So, you know, feel free to reach out to us here at NTSB. Um, to help us um, move forward with these issues. We appreciate your work. We appreciate all of the work that you're doing out there. If you're working in some way, shape, and form, uh, transportation safety. And if you're not involved in transportation safety improvements, please get in touch with us. Thank you. Chris? That's a tough closing to build on. But uh, <laughs> for me, it's uh, what's fascinating about the work here, you know, in addition to the most wanted list, we have a number of studies that have recommendations out, pedestrian safety, motorcycle safety, all of which deserve time, attention, and action. Um, and for, for me, um, it's a real privilege to be able to tell the NTSB story of government agencies. I don't think people understand the magnitude of the work that comes out of this small agency and the great benefit of it being an independent agency. And the beauty of that kind of all ties together, but uh, you know, through media relations and other communications channels, we help maintain the transparency and accountability in the investigative process that allows us to remain an independent agency, 
Why is that important? Well, so now you know that our recommendations are based solely on the science of our investigations, right? Mm -hmm. We're not swayed by popular opinion or uh, anybody else's opinion about what we find. We look at an investigation, we make our findings, we make our recommendations, and then we go advocate for them. And it all works because we are a small, independent government agency dedicated to transportation safety. Um, and, and the most wanted list is, I think, a great embodiment of that. You know, when we, when we sat down uh, a few years ago to talk about the 50th anniversary of the NTSB, mm-hmm. and we did a couple of, of like focus groups within the agency and said, how do you want to be thought of during our anniversary year? How would you like people to think about the NTSB? And, and almost to a letter, everybody said, we want to be thought of as, as, as lifesavers. Mm-hmm. Not because we're like first responders, because we're certainly not, um, but because we're dedicated to saving lives through the prevention of, of accidents. And uh, the most wanted list is just one more way that we try to do that and uh, one more story that we can tell. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Stephanie, any final thoughts from you? Just thank you, Chris and, and Nick, for your time and, and for, for sharing with us, uh, you know, your perspectives on the NTSB Most Wanted list. Um, if any of the listeners would like to learn more about the list and, and see what's on the list for 2019-2020, you can go to www.ntsb.gov forward slash most wanted and all of the resources that we have created for, for this campaign in this two-year cycle are available. And if anyone is curious, our previous lists are available on the website as well. So you can go back and take a walk through history and see how our list has morphed and changed over time. Thank you again, everyone, for listening today. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, Get out there and show your love for safety by uh, behaving safely on our roadways or when you're boarding airplanes or getting in your boat. Uh, However that may be, be safe. And uh, we will talk to you in our next episode. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on Behind the Scene at NTSB. Subscribe to and like us on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And don't forget, you can always find us at ntsb.gov. Thank you and bye. Bye.